Content warning. This series will discuss topics that may bring up painful experiences for you. Please take the time to surround yourself with good medicines. If need be, pause the playback and go for a walk, stretch, have a glass of water, and come back to the show when you feel comfortable. Welcome to the Métis Speaker Series. I'm your host, Darian Kovacs. On this podcast series, we will be exploring learning, healing, and rebuilding within the Métis community. Our goal is to create awareness of and generate discussion about Métis issues, as well as how to heal from and move forward in a healthy way. We hope to reduce Métis invisibility in BC through the personal stories from our Métis community members. The show is brought to you by the Métis Nation of British Columbia, and jelly marketing. Thank you so much. My name is Sean Daverin. I am the provincial youth chair of Métis Nation BC, as well as the minister of youth for Métis Nation BC. I've been in this position for a year now, but I've been with the Métis Nation for, I just celebrated my seventh year. This last year, I've been the regional youth rep before the provincial youth rep. And yeah, that's sort of what I'm doing there or how long I've been doing it. It's pretty much just like advocating on behalf of youth and stuff like that, looking for the best way that we can help the most youth out, which I think that's also like my favorite part is like finding these programs to help youth find who they are, find their culture, and then get access to resources that I feel like they should just have in general. So. That's it's amazing. been really, really rewarding. When you say youth, what is that age range? for 15 to 30, sorry. Okay, no, that's great. That's really awesome. So if all of a sudden in BC, because that's the region you, you oversee, mm. there is a, a slew of Métis people, 15 to 30, proud of and educating others about being Métis all over TikTok and YouTube, yeah. you, you would have, have done your job. Is that correct? That would make my little heart so happy, honestly. <laughs> That's all I'm looking for. I know that the number one thing that we always hear from people is uh, everybody's mandate is always engaging youth. And, you know, like, it's just like that they say it. And it's like, that's cool that you're saying it. Um, but what does that look like? And how do how do you actually plan on engaging youth? So it's like one thing for people to say it. And it's another thing for people to actually be a part of it and wanting to actually do it. So I'm definitely trying to action on the engaging and actually making it happen that's amazing and and it sounds like a lot of that has to do with the the role of leadership and leadership within the organization and leadership within youth so big question just to start off what does it mean to decolonize leadership i know that's a, a, a big loaded term oh, how you yeah. both those words yeah have, have a lot to do with it. <laughs> but but if you were to hear those terms together what does that mean to you i think what i hear like when i hear that honestly like i think of a family and, you know, you're all sitting around your dinner table, you're arguing, you're swearing at each other, you're having your dinner and stuff like that. And then you leave the dinner table and you're still family, you know, and you're still one one unit. And so I think that that's one thing that we're really lacking in a colonialized government structure is that sort of there's the sides, you know, it's the NDP versus the liberals versus the conservatives versus versus versus, you know, it's not just a collective people. And that's what I really appreciate about sort of our governance structure is that we we don't have parties. We are just running, you know, we're, we're, we're running because we want what's best for our people. And 
you know, there's definitely times when we get into heated arguments. It's politics, you know, it's bound to happen, especially when, you know, we look at what's going on in Victoria with like the old growth cuts going on. There's some people who are really for the industrialized progress of it. And then there's other people who are definitely more against like keeping the old growth. So I think that what's really important about us, though, is that we do still sort of as soon as we walk away from the table, we're still family and we still keep that with ourselves. So I don't know if that answers it, but I guess just like sort of treating it more like family and and less like a job, I guess. That's cool. And when it comes to specifically Métis culture, uh, how do you see Métis culture amplified within leadership roles? Mm, I think that it's a lot through sort of the generations. And I learned a lot through my grandma and my mom when it comes to sort of like, that's their sort of who inspired me to really drive and really sort of push that envelope and keep on trying my best. And it's something that really sort of sticks in the Métis culture of, you know, the matriarchs rearing people and, you know, really being the the head kahunas when it comes to, you know, the family units and stuff. And the men would just go off and hunt and get trapped and whatever. And it was the women who were really looking after us. And I've been looking up to them forever and I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. That is awesome. And when it comes to those roles and those women in your life, maybe tell me some stories, maybe an example of the way that Mm -hmm. they lived out their Métis culture in the way that they led you. Yeah, for sure. And so my grandma, she's the captain of the hunt for the Thompson Okanagan. So she works with the environmental side and like making sure that we are like everybody's doing their harvesting surveys and stuff like that. We have harvesting cards and making sure that we have access to the sort of core courses and stuff like that. Like that's something that she's been really pushing for lately. And that's something that she didn't think that she'd see in her lifetime. And so she's like over the moon. We're sort of getting to this place where we're getting that acknowledgement that she's been fighting for for so long. And I just, I think that the trait that I see in both her and my mom is really just stubbornness. And, but in like the best possible way, they're both just so adamant and so driven in what they do, like, and the amount of hours that that they put in to like, just make sure that something happens is so inspiring to me. And has definitely been an issue for me because I like to joke with my mom that she's given me a horrible work ethic, but a really good work attitude. And she's always like, what do you mean a horrible work ethic? And I was like, the last time I was talking to her about this, I was like, well, mother, um, I'm in nursing school, which is, you know, full-time classes. I've just taken on this position with the Métis, which is full-time. I also just picked up a job as a casual overnight care aide. So, you know, where's the free time there? And she's like, well you're working hard. And I was like, bad work ethic. But like, it's so indicative of her of just like, working hard and being proud of the work that you do, because I could very easily not put the effort that I do into like certain aspects of my life. And then just like, let it slide. But the way that I was raised by her, and I am really truly thankful of it is that if I see something, I've, I've got to say something, I've got to do something about it. I can't just sort of like, leave it be by the wayside kind of thing. That's awesome. And now the, the incredible role you get to play working with youth, how do you help them understand leadership as a practice rather than just a specific official role or a plaque on the, their desk mm-hmm. or a thing on their LinkedIn? I think that that's such a good way to look at it too. Is And some, I've never thought to actually phrase it that way because 
I never introduce myself to people as, hi, my name's Sean Davern. I'm the provincial youth chair. You know, it's, I'm Sean. And I think that people know leaders without needing to be told that they're leaders. And so that's really what I'm trying to inspire with the Métis Youth British Columbia. That's our sort of our, our group here. And it's sort of like stepping up and taking on like extra little roles here and there. So occasionally when we're doing our biweekly meetings, I'll have one of them chair the meeting instead of me because I don't I don't need to chair every meeting. And then that gives them the skills to sort of perpetuate their own lives forward. And I think that it's something that's learned, not taught leadership skills. I can't teach somebody how to be a good leader. I can give them access to what they need, but... I can't force it on them, you know? It's if they want to learn and become it, then they will. But it's not something that can just happen passively to you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's, what is it, as they say, it is about being caught, not taught. Totally, yeah. And speaking of leadership and leaders, who's a Métis leader that inspires you? Well, I'll I'll totally stick with the theme right now. I think what's really awesome, and I'll I'll... I'll reiterate, you know, I think that it's great that we are a matriarchal people. And when you look at the leadership in Canada, even, you know, we have Lisa here in BC, we have Audrey in Alberta, we have Margaret in Ontario, and just recently we have Cassidy as the national president. So like, I, I, I have Cassidy was actually the previous youth chair. And she's, I just think it's so inspiring that she's where she is now. And it's really sort of like, making me think I was like, yeah, why not go for like a higher position in leadership? I don't have to be youth, you know, I, I am just because I'm youth doesn't mean I have to be the youth, you know what I mean? Like, we don't have to look at ourselves sort of compartmentalized that way. And so I'm really inspired by her going for that, that national presidency and then winning it, even if she didn't win it, I'd still be inspired for her putting her name forward. So yeah, I'm just over the moon, but that's what, that's what happened. And if you were to look back in history, maybe who are some of the incredible Métis women in history that you look up to? I don't know any, like, I don't want to say like a specific woman. I just think that it's all of our mothers. It's our grandmothers. I think that to single out one is almost unfair to the others. It does an injustice, you know? Like, I I think of like the stories that you hear when it's like the men would go away and then a husband would would die or something or something would happen. And they're like, well, I guess not only am I the woman of the house, but now I'm the man of the house too. And our Métis women would always step up and thrive. I think that it's such an amazing skill that that they have. And one that I'm truly envious of, honestly, I don't know if I could do half of the stuff that I read. I was looking most recently just through like nursing school about like the Gray Sisters were actually taught a lot. I believe it was around 1800s or so. They were taught a lot of indigenous practices by the by the women to help to keep people alive because you know that's what our people had been doing for forever and ever. So we were willing to sort of train on these new nurses and teach them what we knew, which I think is also such a great sort of knowledge exchange there of being able to trade our traditional medicines with the more contemporary medicines coming from like Europe and stuff. So. I'm in awe of them every day. And maybe kind of fill us in on some of the stuff that Métis youth are doing right now in the province that maybe most people wouldn't be aware of or something that might surprise us. Yeah. 
For sure. So I think one of the one things that I'm most proud about right now is we're starting up, it's called the MyBC subcommittees. And so the subcommittees, what their role is going to be is it's a youth will put their name forward that they want to join the subcommittee. And then that subcommittee will work directly with the ministry that it's associated with. So say, for example, the health subcommittee, which I'm part of, it will be working directly with the health ministry. So if the health ministry has anything that they want youth input on, they know exactly where to go. They go directly to the subcommittee. And it's my favorite way to put it is it's more better engagement because first off, I love using improper English. It drives my mother up the wall. So I have to every time I can, but it truly is. It's more engagement that we're missing because it's almost accidental nepotism of, oh, hey, Sean, I have this health program that I need going and I need three youth who are interested. Can you give me three names by tomorrow? And I go, sure, I know these three youth and I don't know if they're interested in health, but like, I just want the mate to youth voice there. So the next time it'll be like, hey, Sean, I need an environmental person by the end of the day. And I'll still go sort of like down the list. And it is nepotism, sort of. It's not intentional, but like, this is sort of a way that we can negate that by having these subcommittees who it's like, all right, hey, health subcommittee, I'm looking for somebody who wants to take part in this. And then they can come together and be like, we'll send so-and-so in from us. And this person knows this person who has never been linked into the Métis Nation before. And so it's people who weren't engaged before engaging in stuff that they're interested in. So they'll be able to shine so much brighter than if just it was me going into, say, sports, for example. I know nothing about sports, so I really couldn't give anything of value to sports, but I'd still be that voice. Whereas if I was into sports, it's so much better that way. So yeah, definitely. And we're still accepting applications for that. I'll totally plug that on the MNBC Facebook page. If you type in my BC subcommittees, there is still definitely time to send, I believe it is Brittany, an email application. That's incredible. Maybe for you, when you think of Métis youth, what is unique about the youth who are from the Métis community? Like, what are you discovering? Or maybe what are they discovering in themselves even you'd like to share? Yeah, I think what's really awesome, it actually came from the subcommittee meeting. It was sort of like we were doing like her closing comments, like anything anybody wants to add. And somebody said, and it was, it was so cool. They're like, I just want to say that this is the first time I've been in a call with all Métis people, and I just feel welcome. And I think that that's something that's so cool, that just being with people who are Métis and like sort of like in, in your peer group too, because it's one thing to, you know, be around elders, which is of course amazing, but it's a lot more difficult to connect with an elder on that sort of peer-to-peer -peer level because you're not peers, right? So to be with peers who have a similar sort of life experience to you. And like, it's it's funny, like, I've picked out a few of my friends before they knew they were Métis. I was like, you should look into your family a little bit. Maybe, maybe see if you're Métis. Because it's just like, there's little things that just like always sort of cue me off of, I think this person, they could be Métis. So I think that what's awesome about Métis youth is just that instant sort of zing, I guess, of just like connecting and immediately sort of being able to trust and open up with each other and just like, be who you are, like, and being genuinely you, I think is such a great experience. It's amazing. You mentioned um, things that set you off that you could tell that they were Métis. What are some of those things? Yeah, I think that it's just like, 
it's appreciation for your fellow man, I guess is the best way to put it. Like I have yet to meet a non-compassionate Métis person. I have yet to meet a non-loving Métis person. And like, like when, when you talk to somebody for a while, you can, you just like sort of like start like picking up things. It's like, wow, you know, you care a lot more about this issue than a lot of people do. Or if they remember something small that you did, you know, it's like that little, those little like bits of compassion where you're like, I, you know, I'm, I'm picking up that you really care. And like, I feel like that caring comes from being a Métis person, I guess. And uh, yeah, I think that that's definitely what, what usually keys me is you, you care too much about me for having just met me. <laughs> that's really cool. And, and if you could speak in a magical, amazing way, and maybe for some, it's not so because they're actually listening right now to the 15 to 30 year old Métis people of BC right now, what would you want to say? What would be your message to these 15 to 30 year olds, whether it's a word of encouragement or some word of advice? or maybe both, what would you want to say to this this group of people? Yeah, I think what I'd want to say is just, if you've had a bad experience with the Métis sort of culture or the Métis group or something like that, I really recommend you reach out again. I think that there's so many times when one bad sort of encounter with someone will sort of paint your entire view of the entire group. And I can definitely appreciate that it's difficult. And I've 100% been there. And I'm so glad that I did reach out the second time and sort of try again, because I'd be missing out on some of my best friends that I've made on the opportunities that we have as Métis youth. I just really want to encourage people to keep on trying. And with our registry as well, I really think that it's important to be registered, that this is like the most boring sounding thing. But honestly, I really do recommend like looking into the registry and trying to get your citizenship with MNBC because that will open up even more doors to you. And the more people who are registered as citizens will make our voice mean more to government. So I think that being able to connect with your fellow people who are just like immediately sort of with you and on your side, I think is worth a few extra tries. And I don't mean that in a condescending way, of course, but you know, I think that everybody gets unlucky sometimes. And so just hoping that the next time will be the right time. That's awesome. And what would be your word of advice for those that maybe have a 15 to 30 year old Métis person in their life? So I have a son who just turned 15 actually mm. a couple of weeks ago where can we point them what is the advice you give us to be able to help them kind of get connected with and get involved in the metis nation of bc yeah i think that the your two first sort of touch points are you could either reach out to your regional youth rep they're the youth who sit on ibc their information is on the MNBC website, as well as I believe the MNBC Facebook page, as well as reach out to me. I'm always happy to talk and sort of direct. And if I don't know the answer, I know somebody who does kind of thing. So it's definitely daunting to sort of dive into Métis culture. And I can really appreciate that. I had a friend ask me, hey, I want to get in touch with my culture. What's the first thing I do? And I was like, well, <laughs> this is just like such a floodgate, but like at the same time, you want to be focused with it. Like, I don't want to just like info dump and then 
leave someone with 14 pages of these are all the people you can reach out to, you know, like I'd rather have it be, okay, you should talk to this one person and then they will help you get in touch with sort of another group kind of thing instead of that initial info dump. Because at the end of the day, we can all go online and find these resources. It's just sort of finding the right resources for you is most important. So for sure, reach out to myself, reach out to your regional youth reps, reach out to your community youth reps if you have them. Yeah, just reach out and ask about youth and I'm sure it'll be directed the right way. That is awesome. As we look into this next year, what are some of your hopes and dreams as we begin to start meeting in person and seeing each oh, other? Yeah. You know, what are some of your hopes and dreams that kind of for the youth? Yeah, so the next sort of big thing that we have coming up is in February, and that's the My Parliamentary Forum, where we're hoping to get 87 youth to Victoria. So in Victoria, they're going to be able to go to Parliament and debate sort of topics that they think are important to them. And from there, it'll be brought up to the MNGA level, the Maintain Nation General Assembly level where we can then sort of discuss these resolutions and then hopefully voted into actually fit into the constitution. So this will be like completely youth led and youth debated. And, you know, we're just going to youth the youth out of it. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you find that there's the opportunities for Métis youth in BC to connect with other Métis youth across the country, other areas? Mm -hmm. So actually, that sort of brings me back to the my parliamentary forum, actually, is we're going to be holding seats for each of the other provincial bodies. So we're going to be sending out invitations to them to bring youth as well. And hopefully we'll be able to sort of start talks of maybe getting a national youth group sort of started up. But that's way down the road. So definitely... That's sort of what we're looking to start with right now. And I'm in talks with some of the other provincial heads. I've got a few friends who have just recently moved to Alberta who want to stay involved in Métis life and Métis politics. And so sort of like finding the right people to link them into in Alberta. And yeah, I think that there's definitely the potential coming. And that's something that I'm looking forward to a lot more next year as I'm sort of finding my feet in this role. And another really fun thing, actually, that I forgot to mention is um, we have a mental health forum that will, as of next year, be annual. We did the first one this year. It was three nights over Zoom, which is super fun. But the interest and the want to have it happen again next year was through the roof, even though it was on Zoom. And we had, I believe, upwards of 20 people on Zoom in the evenings, like just trying to learn more about the mental health that we were offering, like the mental health and assistance supports that we had, just sort of like coping skills and stuff like that. And so that'll be happening again next year and something that I really am hoping will become just like a sort of stamped, stapled annual event, which I think everybody needs mental health help, honestly. Like even if you're spick and span, like I think that, everybody can do that introspective look and be like, I could, I could be a little better. So question for you that I want to close with. You're in an elevator, someone walks in, notices that you've got an awesome Métis shirt on, or they just pick up the fact that you are Métis and they ask you, what does it mean to you to be Métis? And, and you've got like maybe 10 floors to tell them this kind of short, concise, what, what does that mean to you? What does it mean to you to be Métis? 
Well, the first thing I do is press the emergency stop button because 10 floors isn't enough. <laughs> I think that being Métis is... It's having a second family, you know? I think that I can talk to any person that's Métis and just know that I'm safe with them. I did a super crazy thing and met an internet friend, which is always scary for me because, you know, you're phrased being taught that they're all scary, like... 50-year-old men who are going to steal you and put you in a van kind of thing. And I was like, mother, I am 24 years old, but I'm still scared. <laughs> but I found out that they were Métis. And literally, I told her that. And she's like, oh, okay. And I was like, that's it. There's no like humdrum about it. It's just like, that's fine. And so I think that it's just that sort of family connection. And a lot of the times it is a genuine family connection. I think that it's it's really funny when it's like, all right, these are my family names. People are like, cousin, how's it going? <laughs> That's very, very cool. Anything else that you want to leave with listeners and viewers? Any other thoughts, feelings? I guess if anybody is curious about wanting to know more about being Métis, always like send me an email. Uh, my email is on the website. It's on the Facebook it's just uh, sdavron at mmbc.ca, and I will gladly get back to you. I love talking clearly, and I love talking about Métis stuff even more. So feel free to reach out to me, and I would love to get back to you. Well, Sean, thank you for coming on the show. Mm, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been the Métis Speaker Series podcast. I'm Darian Kovacs. Thanks to the Métis Nation of British Columbia for making this possible with funding provided by the Civil Forfeiture Office's Indigenous Healing Stream. You can listen to all of our episodes, learn more about the podcast, and sign up to the Métis Nation of BC newsletter to stay up to date on Métis news at metispodcastseries.ca. You can find out more about the music we're playing by Love Life by visiting SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash lovelifeofficial, L-U-V-L-Y-F official and link in the show notes for your convenience. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast listening device. See you again soon. Mina Kawapa Mitten. Thank you, Marcy, for listening.